way. We want to invite evangelist Jesse Cornejo to come up here. We're so thankful to have not only him and his wife, and you brought your, brought your, your child, huh? Man, how old is he now? Two years old. Come on up. And, and then he also brought his brother and sister-in-law, so we're so grateful to have all of them here. This is the, this is the second time that Brother Cornejo has preached here. And uh, the first time, I wasn't here, and I greatly appreciate Brother Cornejo because I don't think he as an evangelist could have stepped into a more difficult circumstance than what he stepped in the first time he preached here. Some of you don't know it, remember that. Some of you do. Our son had just been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, and we were in the hospital, and I was like... At that moment, anybody who's a parent, we have church that night. I don't care. I mean, that's where I was at. I'm in the hospital. My son just diagnosed with diabetes, and I'm like, I ain't leaving to go preach. There ain't no way. I love y'all, but I'm like, my first priority is right here. And so I stayed in that hospital room, but I called a new friend, and I said, any chance you could cover? And so we sent out a message to you all at probably 2 in the afternoon or something. So this guy walks in to preach at a church where three hours earlier, four hours earlier, they heard pastor's son had just been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and was not going to be here. And, uh, and so he just walked up here, and he preached faith and preached his guts out. And, and so I said, you know what? It's so wonderful to have him back where... To my knowledge, there's no tragedies to step into, that we're all good, but, uh, but I know that this is a man of God. If you follow his ministry, he travels all over the world, and God uses him mightily, mightily, and so there is no doubt that he's going to take this microphone, and he's going to stand in this pulpit, and, he, and God is going to speak through him. He's going to speak through him right to where you are. And so would you just stand to your feet and welcome the man of God as he takes the microphone in this pulpit right now. Amen. I, I feel Jesus here today, and uh, I'm so glad to be where Jesus goes to church on Sunday morning. Anybody happy about that? It is so uh, such an honor to be with you all once again and uh, to see so many people here in the house of God, even in circumstances that we're in. Uh, I find that circumstances really, or situations, problems, really test people and what's really in their heart. It seems like right now that's, that's what's going on all over, all over the country in different churches. And so to see you here, I commend you, I appreciate you, and uh, I'm glad that you're in the house of God. I want to uh, give honor to your pastor, appreciate him very much, and uh, he's obviously a man of God. All these prayers and fasting was making me excited. I wanted to show up at 6 o'clock and be here, you know. I just, I'm pumped for you guys and what God is going to do. And, um, and your fasting and so on. And so I'm grateful for them, their family. God bless you. And uh, just for the privilege to allow us to be here, trusting us to be here. I also want to honor my wife 
and my son who's with me. My son doesn't have the Holy Ghost. He's two years old. And so we're working on him. And uh, you all just pray pretty hard, you know. Anyway, you know, that, what do they call it, like terrible twos or something. So if he starts crying and stuff, it's not him having a bad day. It's him worshiping. All right, so you all just worship with him. And we'll get this thing going. <laughs> also, uh, I'm so happy my brother, my brother and my sister-in-law came from Los Angeles. And I'm so glad they came to visit us for passing the mantle this weekend. They decided to stay uh, here through the Sunday. I said, bro, we're going to go. We're going to go preach. And, and uh, he sings, she sings, and he plays the keyboard. And so I said, man, my dad does this to us a lot. You know, he just, all right, you're going to sing, you're going to preach, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. So he just throws us in there. So I just said, hey, James, you're going to be with me, bro, and you're going to go ahead and sing. So <laughs> he just found out. And, uh, but I'm, I'm glad that um, they have an anointed ministry together, and uh, they, they helped my father out there at the church in Los Angeles. And so I'm just going to ask him to sing a song, ask you all to worship. You can be seated for a moment, and let's just let God have his way just for a moment. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. It's so good to be here with you this morning. Amen. It's such a wonderful Bible study and worship we've already had. Uh, as some of you might have seen, I walked in on some crutches, so I only got about three minutes on this leg right now. So uh, we can just worship God and just uplift Him. But I, I remember uh, when I was younger, I'd be in the car with my mom and or with my dad, and something would happen. Maybe you'd get they would get cut off, or there'd be some kind of an issue, or some kind of imminent or some potential danger that came across their uh, time driving. And I don't know what your response is, amen. I know maybe the Holy Ghost tests us a lot of times when people cut us off. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Or is it, maybe it's just there in L.A., amen. I don't know. But I remember every single time without fail, without fail, all I'd hear my dad say is Jesus. All I'd hear my mom say is Jesus. And they just call on the name of the Lord. Does anybody know that, that God is faithful to answer when we call on him? Amen. So we're going to sing a song that we're pretty sure everybody knows, but we just want to uplift them a little bit more. You can lift your hands with us. You can go ahead and cry out to your God, but we're going to sing about how beautiful his name is today. We're going to sing about how wonderful his name is a strong tower and the righteous runneth into it and are saved. Come on, is anybody, is that anyone's testimony today, maybe in a midnight hour? Come on, sister, help me sing. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name. What a beautiful name it is Nothing can say this What a beautiful name it is The name of Jesus Everybody sing it again, say What a beautiful name it is What a beautiful name it is The name of Jesus Christ Sing a little Spanish, you go and say. Quan hermoso su nombre es. Quan hermoso su nombre es. El 
precioso su nombre es, no hay otro nombre. Jesus, would you just worship that name just for another moment? If, if that is your everything, he said, in, in him I live, I move, I have my being. It's, he is the answer. He is our hope. I'm not, I'm not worried about what's going on in the world. I'm not looking for an answer in politics or in the economic situation. I'm looking at an answer named Jesus. I'm looking for Jesus here today. Would you magnify the Lord just for another moment? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Would you just clap your hands for another moment and just worship. First John chapter four, verse eighteen. First John four eighteen, while you're standing there with me. You can keep playing, James, if possible. Thanks, man. I know he's only got one more minute on that leg, so if he falls out, we'll just say he fell out in the spirit. And we'll just have a Holy Ghost time. Is that all right? First John 4, 18. First John chapter 4, verse 18. It 
I believe the Lord has given me a word for us here today. I won't be long, but I will finish when you respond. All right. It's about 30% there. said, I won't be long, but I'll finish when you respond. The Bible says there is no fear. Everyone say no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear, and because fear hath torment, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. Would you put your Bibles to one side? Let's ask the Lord just to align our heart with his will. Would you lift your hands and your voice, Jesus? We thank you for the privilege to be here right now. I ask that you would anoint my mind and loose my tongue to speak this word here today. We give you glory. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do here today. We magnify you. I take authority right now over every distraction, over every hindrance that would try to come against the people of God and what you have planned and destined here today. We give you glory. We worship you in Jesus' name. Would you clap your hands one more time and would you magnify the Lord? Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you for a brief moment, and I really won't be long. I'm not a long-winded preacher, but uh, I want to talk to you for a brief moment on this topic, from fear to faith. Turn to your neighbor and say, from fear to faith. I uh, am so just, uh, I guess, perplexed at what's going on in the world. There's so much to talk about, so much to think about, so much to get over. When you come to church, you feel like, man, you know, it's, it's a, an, a great accomplishment, you know, to get into the house of the Lord because of all that's going on in the world. And uh, with that being said, I believe in this time, this hour that we're living in, we need faith more than ever before. We need faith like we've never had faith before. We need a deeper dimension of faith, a greater dimension of faith. We need faith in this hour. I believe that you cannot please God, as the Bible tells us, without faith. How many believe that? You can come to church and lift your hands and you can give in the offering and you can sing and you can worship, but if you do not have faith while you do that, you're just lifting a hand and you're just blowing hot air as you sing. You're just giving your money into the offering plate without any type of hope of blessing in return. So when you give, when you worship, when you do that type of thing and you have faith, God begins to show up because he realizes it's more than just an action, but it's something that you believe when you begin to do. So when you lift your hands or when you clap or when you worship and you believe that God is going to show up, it's in that moment that God responds not only to the hand clapper, not only to the worship, but he begins to respond to your faith. And so in this hour, in this moment, in this time that we live in, we need faith more than ever. It's faith in the middle of the trial that 
causes the enemy to, to stumble, causes the enemy to be confused. Because while everything is going wrong and haywire, your, your life is in haywire, and all of a sudden your, your situation is chaotic around you, it's in that moment uh, that you stand up and have faith uh, that God begins to move and the enemy is afraid because you have decided to worship through that situation. Uh, you have decided that even though it doesn't feel right, uh, even though I don't feel like clapping, uh, even though I don't feel like running, uh, I don't feel like dancing, uh, I believe that God uh, is on the throne in the middle of this situation. Would you mind to give me just a little bit more monitor? I've been preaching and threw my voice out, so you're going to have to bear with me. Thank you so much. Thank you. So I believe in this time, faith is so, so important. If I can bring a quick definition to the word faith, I would say it's simply an unwavering confidence in God. Unmoving and unshaking and unwavering confidence in God. Some of you, many of you know somebody that operates in great faith. For me, it was my great-grandmother. She was 103 when she passed away two years ago. And uh, she lived a, excuse me, a long life of faith. And when we would have need of something, we would call Grandma. Grandma, would you pray? I believe God will answer your prayers. She prayed three times a day. She would fast with diabetes in her, bodies on, with her, in her body on Saturday. And, and she would just seek God that, with that intensity. And I knew she walks in faith. First miracle I ever saw was with my grandmother. Some lady came out of a coma as we began to pray for her there in the hospital. It was a powerful miracle and testimony of the power of God. But I realized that grandma has an unwavering confidence in God, an unwavering, unshaking confidence in God. And so while I believe that we need faith in this hour, while I believe that we need faith that is unmoving in this particular case, because the weak are getting weaker and the strong are getting stronger, those that are in are getting really in, and those that are out are realizing, you know what, maybe I don't want to serve God. Things are going haywire all around me. And I believe in this time we need that type of faith that's going to get us through. But I want to say something. On the flip side, I believe that there is fear in the world. And fear has literally drugged people out of church. Fear has caused people to turn their back on God. Fear has caused people that were once great worshipers and, and great people and saints of God, has literally caused them to be crippled in their walk with God and in their faith toward God. Fear, literally, if I can define it, is a confidence in the enemy. And so while faith is an unwavering confidence in God, fear is a confidence in what the enemy is speaking against our life. And in this time we're living in the church uh, is being attacked like never before in our lifetime. The church uh, is seemingly to be attacked uh, in this moment and fear is hitting the hearts of people there in California where I'm from. Uh, it was said uh, that you cannot sing uh, anymore in church. Uh, they're asking people when they get sick with COVID, they're not asking what job you work at or where it is you go to school or where it is you go during the day. They're asking what church you attend. That's, that's out of the mouth of several pastors that have told me that particular thing. And so fear 
has gripped the hearts of not only the world, but now it has crept into the church. And I have seen in traveling and evangelizing, even within the leadership of churches, I've realized people have these nervous breakdowns and, and start out in these anxiety attacks and these panic attacks because uh, they are not in control of their situation. Serving God never means or doesn't mean that you're going to always have control of your situation. Doesn't mean that everything is going to be all right all the time, 100% of the time. What it means is that we have a hope that is greater than our situation. What it means is that I've got faith that as I go through the trial, everything is going to be all right on the other side. What it means is that I go through this valley, everything is going to work out for my good in the end. God will receive the glory through my situation. And so fear has hit the world. One pastor in Arizona in this whole COVID time he began to tell me there was a relative of his that was diagnosed or was sick, excuse me, and had the, the uh, symptoms of COVID. And the relative called and said, Pastor, said, uh, you know, Dad, would you come pick me up and take me over to the hospital and, and let me get a test? I want to see if I've got this, this virus. And he told me, he's a great man of God, and he said, listen, he said, I, I was afraid. I got in my truck, and I thought, well, if I bring her in the truck with me, I mean, we're not socially distanced, and we must, you know, I might get sick too, and what if I die, and, and all that stuff that comes with that old COVID thing. And, and uh, he said, I went and picked her up, and as I was on my way, the spirit of fear got in the passenger seat with me. He's the kind of guy that sees all this stuff. And he said, as that spirit was sitting next to me in the passenger seat, he said, the Lord spoke to me and said, start speaking in tongues. And so I was driving down the road, he said, and I began speaking with other tongues. The moment I began to speak with other tongues, he said, that spirit disappeared. It just completely left. I want you to realize something. When you begin to magnify God in the middle of that storm, in the middle of that situation, God begins to do what you do not have control of. He begins to do what you have need of. God begins to perform the miraculous in that moment. The Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. And so while it looks chaotic around you, while this world looks like it's in utter chaos and it is. That does not mean that my faith is affected. That does not mean that my worship will be affected. That does not mean that my prayer has to waver. That does not mean that my walk with God has to stumble, but rather that I am going to live and walk and move in faith. Would you clap your hands? I feel something happening here. In this place, faith is being loose in this atmosphere today. He got to the hospital, he said, and his daughter went into the hospital and got a test. And while he was standing outside of the hospital, he said the spirit of COVID came and stood right next to him, tall and dark and ugly. And he said that the spirit looked at him and he looked right back and said, listen, you don't have authority 
over my family. You have no business in my home. I command you to let my family go now in the name of Jesus. And the moment he spoke that, the spirit disappeared. His, his, his daughter came out of the hospital and said, well, I had all the symptoms, but I don't have the virus. I've come out negative. I want you to understand that we still have power in the name of Jesus. We still have power to lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. I'm not afraid of it. I'm not worried about it because I am in the palm of God's almighty hand. And if I'm in his hand, there is no devil, there is no demon that can stand against the almighty God. I believe this church is in the palm of God's almighty hand. There is no one nowhere, not even in hell, that can stop you from what God has promised in your life. I am moving from fear to faith. I am moving from depression to joy. I'm moving from this crazy world to the peace of God in my life. Clap your hands one more time. You can be seated. It was in the book of Matthew, chapter 8. The disciples are with Jesus. And the Bible literally says there is a great tempest, a storm. So it was a huge storm, not just any storm, but a storm that they would begin to, 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 to shake at and to waver at. I mean, we're talking about fishermen that knew what it was to be in a storm a time or two. And these guys are looking around the waves crashing up against the boat and the clouds rolling in and the thunder, the lightning, kind of probably like we have here in, in, in Missouri. I'm not used to all this stuff. And this 30-degree weather is really not doing me right. I walked along with a scarf and the whole deal, you know. As a matter of fact, this had nothing to do with my message, but I just got to tell you this. Because I grew up in California, I thought that when it snows, you need chains around your tires when you travel everywhere. So I thought. So I got here, and people were like, no, man, you just drive. And so I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going five miles in an hour down the road, you know. I've learned, you know, I tested it out in some empty parking lots, you know, see my, my abilities. And you got to realize these disciples are in the boat, and this storm is coming in. The thing that blows my mind is they come to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, they awoke him, the Bible says, and they said, Lord, save us, we perish. Verse 25, the book of Matthew, chapter 8, save us, we perish. We're going to die. And so the spirit of death and fear began to grip their heart in the middle of the storm. Now, that's natural for any human being. That's normal. It's all right to have that emotional response for a moment if you're a human, which we all are. And so these guys begin to shout out, Wake him up. Hey, hey, we're going to die, Jesus. We need you to do something. The thing that blows my mind is they actually thought Jesus was going to let them die while Jesus was in the boat. Does that make sense to anybody here? I'll put it to you this way. If you were driving to your job on Monday, right? Thank you. I appreciate that. The angels of the Lord just came in. There we go. Brighten everything up. You're driving to your job on Monday, and Jesus in the flesh, right, is with you. I'm talking 
like you, you walk with Peter. He is with you in the passenger seat, right? Hopefully he's driving, but anyways, he's with you in the car somewhere. That's another message. And so if he's with you, you're driving down the road, there's snow outside, and there's cars piling up all over. You're about to get into an accident. Do you think that Jesus is going to let your car and you and him burn up and die? Thank you. I appreciate that. This guy is shaking his head like, you're crazy. It makes no sense. Because it's Jesus, right? You say, no way. Some of you have so much faith, you're like, man, Jesus would literally, he would somehow teleport my body, you know, to the nearest Starbucks, or he would teleport my body to the nearest whatever, you know. I, you know, I'd be at Andy's in two seconds, you know. And we used to be having a good old custard time and whatever. And you have so much faith. I mean, it's Jesus. There's no way. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to die. I'll be all right. Everything will be fine. But the disciples didn't really have that understanding. I want to bring something to your attention. In this time that we're living in, the Lord spoke to me and said, listen, this moment is not for people to die. And what I mean is spiritually, obviously people have died physically. But spiritually, to fall out with God, to backslide, to turn out, you know, turn around their back on God and, and just to leave and so on. But this is a time in which God is trying to reveal himself in a greater way to you than he's ever revealed himself before. The disciples did not know. See, they, they knew a little bit about Jesus. They had been walking with him for eight chapters now, and, and they know him, you know, he's a miracle worker. He's different. When he talks, I mean, things are, you know, people listen. They stand at attention. Miracles happen when Jesus begins to talk. But they did not yet quite understand, as the brother was explaining to us earlier in the, in the lesson, he was saying that God is both 100% man, or Jesus was both 100% man and 100% God. So the disciples did not yet understand that the man Christ Jesus had authority over the storm. But Jesus allowed the storm so that they can then have understanding and revelation that Jesus has authority even over that. And so you say, well, I know him as a way maker, but you might not know him as a healer. And so he brings sickness or allows sickness in your body so that you can know that Jesus uh, is a healer. You say, well, I don't have any food on my table. Guess what? He's trying to show you that he is a provider. You say, well, I need him to make a way. Well, guess what? He is trying to reveal to you that in the middle of the storm, he is a way maker. And so the disciples who were in fear all of a sudden tell, tell Jesus, come, would you deal with this situation? Jesus calms the storm and, and their situation has changed. And the next time that happens, they're not worried about a storm. Jesus is in the boat. Everything is going to be all right. So I want you to realize something today that fear is in the world, there's no doubt. But I believe this, is the Bible says perfect love casts out fear, that God is going to cast out that fear. People have a, a different idea about that scripture, but the Bible literally says that perfect love casts out fear. Now, let me explain something. It's not your love for God that casts out the fear, right? You say, well, I love God, but I'm still afraid. I love God. I come to church. I pray. I, 
I do all this great stuff, but I'm still worried. I'm still nervous. What's going to happen? I, I don't know. What if I get COVID? Or what if this? Or what if that? What if that happens? What if the person I'm voting for on November 3rd doesn't get elected? Then what? And you worry and panic and all this stuff. Just by the way, just to let you know, throw this in there. I'm not really uh, worried about what's happening on November 3rd because that's not uh, what I'm looking for anyway. That's not my hope. Is that all right? I want to talk about it because it needs to be talked about. That's not my hope. That's not what I'm looking for. Yeah, we're going to do our part, but at the same time, you've got to realize the hope I'm looking for is Jesus. What happens on November 3rd will only change for a moment, but what happens in your soul today will last for eternity. It will last forever. And so perfect love casts out fear. So it's not your love for God, but rather it is perfect Love And only God is perfect and only God is love. So therefore, it is God's love for you that cast out the fear. When you begin to realize, and the disciples didn't understand that quite yet, but when you begin to realize uh, that God is not going to allow you to go through something you cannot handle, that you will not come out of, uh, then it's in that moment uh, that you understand God's love for you. Uh, and as you understand God's love for you, uh, that's when the fear has to go. That's when the, the doubt has to leave. Uh, that's when the depression uh, has to walk out of the room. Uh, because I know that God loves me too much to let me go now. God loves me too much to allow me to come to nothing after he saved me before. And so in the book of 1 Samuel 17, the Bible said, The Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together, he says. And when Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly Afraid, fear, once again, grips their heart. And the thing that blows my mind is these, these, these great men of war knew what it was to draw the sword. And they knew what it was to be in battle and to see the bloodshed of another man. But all of a sudden, one guy, Philistine, a huge, really big guy, I threw in ugly. He's ugly, probably ugly looking. Dude. I mean, he had six toes and six fingers. I'd imagine, you know, that kind of correlates somehow. Anyways, and they're hiding in their tents, and they're nervous, and they're worried, and they are afraid, as the Bible says. These are warriors. And one guy, David, comes up, and he says, hey, well, what's going on here? The thing that, that really gets me is they allowed Goliath to talk for 40 days. Goliath comes, and he, 40 days, day in, day out, day in, day out. You're not people of God. I'm going to destroy you. You're going to be my slaves. I'm going to feed your bodies to the, to the fowl of the air and to the beasts of the field. I mean, he is just talking all kinds of just vile stuff, obviously in the King James language. And so uh, he's talking all kind of, some of you got that anyway. He's talking all kind of crazy stuff. And, and now the deci or these, these men are, are afraid. And David walks up and on the first mention that David hears what's going on, he said, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. I'm paraphrasing, but he said, you know, th this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Th who is this guy that he can talk against the people of God that way? Does he not know who I am? I wish somebody would get like that for a moment. Do they not realize who I am? 
Does this world not understand that I'm a child of God? Do they not realize that I've got a hope and glory, that my hope is not in this world? My hope is not in the material things of this life. Uh, but my hope is in glory that one day I'm going to make heaven my home. One day I'm going to walk streets of gold. I'm a child of the king. And David walks up, and he begins to puff his chest out and his head held high. What's going on with all of you guys? Now, he's a little guy. Now, I've never said this with my brother here in the building. <clears throat> Excuse me, the building. But uh, everyone's got an older brother, right, or a younger sibling. Anyone got a younger sibling? Would you raise your hand? You, you might be the older person. All right, go ahead and put your hands down. You've got somebody under you. Now, I've got to reveal this. Now, my brother's here. But, uh, you know, the reality is my brother is younger than I am, so I'm the oldest. And uh, when we were growing up, I always won every sport, every video game, right, every wrestling match. I was, I was the man. I was on top. And when little bro would come around and, hey, man, let me, let me show you how it's done. Guys, hey, James, relax. I got this. Let me show you how it's done. Just have a seat. Let me show you what's up. I mean, I was just, because I was older. I was bigger. I knew a little bit more, about three years worth of more. And Eliab comes out, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, verse 28, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. He said, why camest thou down hither, and with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. He says, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And if I can just paraphrase it for a moment. The eldest brother of David is saying, listen, little man, you know nothing about the battle. You don't know what it is to draw the sword and see the bloodshed of another man. You, you have no idea. Just, just sit down, go back to dad's house, go get the, 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 you know, the flock and go, go tend to the sheep and do what you got to do. Just, just get out of here. You don't understand what's going on right now. Eliab in this hour represents the world today. And the church represents, or David represents the church. Why Eliab is saying the world is saying to this church here in Liberty, why do you gather the way you gather? Why are you still going to church the way you're going? Why do you still worship the way you do? I saw a sister come up and begin to dance. A brother begin to run here in the aisle and dance. And it just blows the world's mind because to them everything is falling apart. But to a young David, to the church of God. We say, you know what? I, my hope is not here, but rather I don't come with a sword and with a shield, but I come in the name of the Lord of hosts. I'm here to let somebody know that I'm not afraid of what's going on today, but rather I'm walking in authority of what God is doing in our life. Would you clap your hands and would you magnify God for a moment? I wish somebody in this hour would get a hold of it like David did and begin to talk to Goliath. Somebody's got to talk back to the enemy when the enemy has said, you know what? Your kids are going to backslide because you're not going to church anymore. Your kids are leaving God because of all that's going on. I wish somebody would just rise up in the middle of your living room and say, devil, you've got to get out here of this house. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. 
David would begin to talk to Goliath. And David says, I'm going to chop your head off right before Goliath's face. And he did it all without a sword in his hand. That lets me know that he would begin to prophesy to the enemy. I'm coming out of this stronger. I'm coming out of this greater. Would you clap your hands for a moment? I feel something happening here today. There's revelation. Just do that a little bit, a little bit stronger. Would you clap your hands? And would you shout unto God with the voice of triumph? If you don't feel like shouting, that's the best time to do it. If you don't feel like dancing, that's the best time to do it. I feel in the Holy Ghost. Some of you say, well, I don't normally clap. I'm not a dancer, Brother Jesse. I'm not a jumper. That's the best time to show Jesus. I'm going to get a hold of you no matter what. I'm moving from fear to faith. I'm moving from doubt to joy. Oh, I feel a breakthrough right now in the Holy Ghost. Chains are literally falling off. When you get home, that spirit's not going to be there anymore. When you get home, that fear's not going to be there anymore. When you get home, that depression is not allowed anymore. Remain standing. Remain standing with me. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Would you clap your hands one more time? I want you to talk back to the enemy right now. I want you to, here in a moment, we're going to begin to do that. I want you to, to, to voice it. I want you to speak. You say, well, you want me to talk back to, to, to the devil? You want me to talk back to, to these demons? I mean, what if, what if they come? Don't you realize that, that he that's in me is greater than he that's in the world? You understand? The Bible says that he gave us power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Now, listen, I'm not telling you that we are not going to be affected by what's in the world. But what I am telling you is that I can say like David did, yea, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, he said, I'll fear no evil. Why? Not because I won the battle. Not because everything's all right. Uh, but because God is with me. And if God is with me, I'm in the palm of his hand. Everything is going to be all right. Uh, because he loves me too much. As you're standing right there. Uh, I'm not sure with, with the altar. Is it all right? Okay. I got to ask, you know, you never know. We're doing all these air altars now, you know, and just anyways. I believe, I feel like there's people here today say, man, I, I need this. I need a shift in my mind. I need something to change in my life. Some people at, at home, literally, you get in your car and you just feel depressed. You're trying to, trying to hold it together in front of your family, some man of God, some woman of God. But when you get in your car and you're all by yourself, you just... 
And the worry begins to come and the panic and the fear and the anxiety begins to come into your life and begins to flow into your mind. I want you to realize something. You've got to stand on the word of God, that it's his perfect love that casts out fear. And so what we're going to do here today, I want to know anyone that wants to come to this altar, whether you need physical healing in your body or whether you just want God to change something in your life, I want Jesus to do so. I want you to come very quickly. This altar is open right now. I want you to come very quickly. Remain standing because I'm going to instruct us just a little bit further. Come, come, come quickly. You need a physical healing in your body. Jesus can do that. You need something for God to do right now. I'm telling you, he is going to begin to bring revelation and understanding. Let me, let, let me tell you something. Give me one moment, if you will. Thank you. I was in Arizona not too long ago on that same trip, and I was talking with a, a husband and wife who they've known me all my life. The wife was diagnosed with COVID early, early on when this whole thing was starting. And uh, she had other complications, other problems. And they began to tell me what, what had happened. Well, the husband took her over to the hospital when she first had the symptoms. And they said, sure enough, you've got COVID. It's really bad. And they did not expect her to live. They did not expect her to live at all. So the husband admitted her to the hospital. He walked out because he couldn't go any further. And when they were there in the hospital, they put her in the induced coma, put her on the ventilator, <clears throat> began to treat her as they did. And uh, the husband walked out, and he called several of the people from the church. And within a certain time, about 40 people showed up from the church. Now, that's, that's what I call talking to the enemy. Right? When the doctor gives a report, I'm not saying against doctors, what I'm saying is when the enemy comes and tries to speak that fear, speak that doubt. He called 40 people from the church and they showed up and they got down on their knees in the parking lot of the hospital. It wasn't the building. Now it's time to be apostolic, right? Book of Acts. Most of the miracles that happened in the book of Acts happened outside of the building. And so they got down on their knees and they began to pray and they began to magnify God in the parking lot. And as they would do that, the nurses would come out and they would begin to pray with the nurses. They're speaking in tongues, middle of the day. They got it on video. They're magnifying God as we do here in the building. And they're worshiping God. And all of a sudden, the, the brother, after several weeks, uh, he, he was still there in his house and so on. And several weeks went by and the, the wife was still sick. So he's in his house. He's telling me and gets a call from a pastor, and as he gets a call from this pastor, the pastor says, listen, I've got some insight and revelation as what God is, is wanting to do in your, in your life and your wife and, and so on. And the doctors had already said, look, she's probably going to die. That's just probably what it looks like. And, and so the, the pastor tells him, listen, COVID attacks the breath, right? It attacks the lungs, which attacks the breath of life. He said, I want you to begin to blow. As you begin to blow, it is a prophetic act or a prophetic gesture. And as you begin to blow, I want you to speak the words. You will live and not die. You will live and not die. You will live and not die. And so on the other end of that phone, he said, all right, pastor, put the phone down. And there in his house, he lifted his hands toward his wife who was in the hospital. And all of a sudden, he would begin to blow. You will live and not die. You will live and not die. More faith every time. 
He will live and not die. And all of a sudden, they told me, that the wife told me she had a vision there in the hospital. And in that vision, God said, who do you trust, me or man? And she said, I trust you, God. Within the next moment, she woke up out of that coma. She pulled the tube out of her mouth. The nurse is trying to come and put it back. And the doctor said, no, let her breathe. And the words that she was speaking when she got out of that coma was, I will live and not die. I will live and not die. I will live and not die. Lift your hands all over this place. I want you to speak to the enemy and begin to tell him, I will live and not die. I will live and not die. Come on, somebody begin to shout it. Somebody with desperation. I'm tired of being afraid. I'm tired of being worried. I'm tired of being panicked. I'm tired of what's going on. That's it in the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. Somebody get a vengeance in your spirit like David. Somebody get a vengeance in your spirit like David. As for me and my house, Joshua said, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it, that's it. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, somebody begin to proclaim it. Somebody begin to speak life. It don't feel like it. That is the best time to speak life. I'm not sure if I can. That's the best time to lift your hands. I'm not sure if I've got it in me to do it, Brother Jess. You don't understand. I'm telling you, that's the best time. Come on, that's it, some man of God. That's it, some man of God. They're in your house. That's it, over your family. Begin to speak life in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. That's it, that's it. Jesus, I know you love me too much. I know you love me too much. somebody going from fear to faith I want you to begin to prophesy to the enemy I want you to begin to prophesy to let the enemy know when I get home you better not be there when I get home you better not be there I'm anointing every wall I'm anointing every door I'm anointing that's it every door post in the name of Jesus every room yeah 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 there's something happening there's something happening now 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 Hallelujah. 
Be